Hi, and welcome to No BS Women's Health, the podcast giving a big voice to the things women worry about. I'm Chloe Bunter, Pilates teacher trainer and creator of the Pilates Instructor Hub. My mission is to help you feel empowered in your body to move fearlessly. And I'm Kate Spina, nutritionist, award-winning chef, eating disorder survivor, helping you feel more confident about what you eat. Together, we're delivering the truth bombs you need to feel more empowered about your health, physical, emotional, and mental. If you find this episode helpful, we'd love you to leave us a review. That helps more people find us. Subscribe and share this with other women in your life. Hello, Chloe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what is probably going to be our juiciest episode yet. Oh, hi, Kate. Hi, everyone. Wow, you have um, set the bar high, Kate. Yeah, uh, we're, we're there. We're there. We're there. So before we get into today's topic on the pill, um, the, pill. the pill, which will absolutely be be juicy and fascinating, no doubt, I just want to say hello. So hi. So say hi. <laughs> How you been going? I've been flat out busy, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm yeah, feeling on top of things. But yeah, I've been um, busy with some corporate projects, busy with clinic, um, busy with lots of things, busy with catching up on things and but yeah, looking forward to um, my grandma, my nana turns a hundred in a couple of weeks. Oh, so happy I'm looking forward to birthday, yeah. nana. What's her name? Magdalene. Magdalene, what a beautiful name. Lovely. She's feisty. You would love her. Um, so I'm trying to tie a few things up before her birthday party in a couple of weeks. So that's my carrot at the end of this month, getting me through. Wow, a hundred. What a <laughs> what a what an epic. Um, birthday to reach mm, she's awesome wow. she's fast wow. and she has, like birthday celebrations that go for two weeks oh she's fabulous yeah. she's awesome it's like birthday gold she's absolutely fabulous well I want to say a massive um thank you and shout out to all our listeners because being really blown away by the feedback we've been receiving particularly for the episode on burnout so mm. Kate I'm hearing you say busy 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 a lot there <laughs> You okay, my friend? Uh, I, you know what I've been doing though? I have been like the minute I saw that last month was getting a bit frantic, I popped those burnout buffers in place. I increased my awesome. vitamin Awesome. Taking time out, simplifying um, as many things as I could, making sure I was taking my magnesium daily. So, um, yeah, I was putting all those things in place. So while I've been busy, I feel okay, which is good. It's a nice place. Yeah, I love that. And because it's hard, isn't it, to avoid busy in mm. our – it can be really hard to avoid busy. In fact, sometimes when I'm not busy, I'm like, what's going on? Or then I get guilty. I'm <laughs> like, am I really privileged to not be busy right now? You know those guilts you get when you're like, yeah. oh, I, I'm feeling really content and not busy right now. Oh, no. Oh, well, how dare I? I, I, it's a really interesting guilt cycle yeah. that comes into my head. But um, what I love there, though, is if you can't avoid a lot going on in your life at, at, at you know, a certain time, I love what you said there about burnout 
buffers. So yeah. if you um, are feeling a bit like that and feeling busy and you haven't listened to that episode yet, that is our episode four. Um, jump in. There's lots of practical tips to help you uh, with burnout buffers. So, um, okay, well, fantastic. Uh, So, yeah, I'm really happy and thank you to all the listeners. As I said, one thing I would really love you to do, listeners, is please leave those reviews. So, I I know it's awesome. I love you sending us DMs. I want to get those and everything. But it's really great too um, if you can jump onto the Apple Podcast app and click the five-star button for us. That does help to actually increase our reach um, and let people know, ah, I should have a listen here. Even better if you can actually write a little paragraph about why you've loved listening um, will really help us and get, get this in more people's ears and help them. Yes, absolutely. Spread the word. Okay, so we will get into today's topic, um, which is on the pill and it's interesting Kate I've never even thought of it at the fact it is literally just called the pill I know I know until I was reading about the history of said pill um and the impact it's had um on on the world on women and the world is really fascinating so it's it's yeah it's the pill is just (laughs) bizarre to me um so today we're going to we're going to – our intent is to help you as listeners make more informed choices about what you do with your health, with your body, um, and it is very much your choice. So please know that this is not um, medical advice. We are not sitting here and saying you should do this or you should do this. We are simply presenting – information and options is there anything you'd like to add to that Kate no I think you're spot on Chloe I think what what I would um like to really get across today is the information you need when picking the best contraception for you in terms of the pill like if if you're considering the pill as one of those options for you what information I'd really like you to be able to work through to help you make that choice Mm. Because it's all about making an informed choice and uh, I think as we go through today's discussion and I think those listening, there will probably be many of us that potentially didn't make much of an informed choice when they did initially go on the pill and that was absolutely my journey with the pill when I was um, popped on the pill by a doctor when I was early-ish teens. I can't quite remember now, it would be 13-ish 14 um, for my skin. So the go-to back then, I'm not sure what it is today, but the go-to back then, so we're talking early 90s, um, was the pill and that cleared up your skin. And I was put on a really heavy pill, um, really old school heavy pill called Diane 35ED. Um, and did it clear up my skin? Absolutely. I also didn't really understand what periods were because my periods were like a, a non-event. Um, Mm. But we won't go down the whole journey of me and my pill, but it was just very interesting that I don't remember there ever kind of being any discussion around it except, hey, take this, this will clear up your acne. And as a teenager, my God, of course I went, anything to clear up my acne, (laughs) anything. (laughs) Wouldn't have even, you know, wouldn't have blinked, probably didn't even, it didn't, wouldn't have even really registered 
I was not sexually active. Yeah. It wouldn't have even registered with me that, to be honest, it wouldn't have registered with me that it probably had anything to do with sex or reproduction. Um, It was just, hey, this is going to give you clear skin and that's all I wanted at that age. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the pill can be great in reducing symptoms of things. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of the benefits. So, yeah, yeah, so really interesting. So, you know, I think not a lot of, I'm hoping that there's more informed, um, discussions going on these days when, when people go to go on the pill for the first time. Um, Mm. and so in today's, uh, episode, we're going to take you through a bit of a walk down the history, walk, walk back through the, the history of the pill, which is truly fascinating, um, then Kate's going to take us through what physiologically happens to our bodies um, and our reproductive system, menstrual cycle, etc. when we are on the pill, what happens to our hormones. And Kate's also going to take us through ways that we can help support um, what, you know, things we might need to do nutritionally from a supplement perspective, etc. things we might need to look at at what gets depleted um when we're on the pill sound right to you Kate absolutely absolutely and looking at looking at estrogen which is the main hormone affected by the pill as something more than a reproductive hormone because mm. hello it has other effects in your body um mm. that I think are really worth knowing it's a bit of a it's a bit of a superpower well don't you think I mean kind of like side note don't you think uh, the general public, you know, the layperson, aka me, are pretty uneducated in regards to hormones, like not just reproductive hormones, but hormones in general. Yeah, and I think Can, it's, I think yeah. it's harder as we go through where the, the term like regulating your hormones gets thrown about a bit. There are lots of different hormones. It's like what do- hormone? What hormone am I regulating? Which one? Yeah. They, they do lots of different things and they usually have more than one effect in your body as well. So it's a bit more complex than that. But, yeah, it can be um, mm. it can be confusing. But estrogen, I think, is classically considered like it's what's well, just a – it's a reproductive. It's a woman's hormone. Oh, a woman's hormone, yeah. It's a woman's hormone. It, it does something with our periods, you know, um, where actually it's it's there are so many benefits of naturally cycling estrogen so we'll talk about that later but um, I'd love to hear about the pill Mm. as like a bit of a amazing step in social change well yeah and look that's really what sparked my interest in taking a, a walk down the you know the into the history or walk through the history of the pill was what's happening in the moment at the moment in the states um, mm. around looking and I can't even and here comes a swear word so if you got little ones feel free to block their ears I can't fucking believe that this yeah. is even on the table sorry I, I I I my rage I don't know if I can get my words out but the fact mm. that the US is looking to potentially ban legal abortion is just gobsmacking I mean seriously are we just it's the it's like the hands handmaid's tale is just coming to life like did they did these people watch the handmaid's tale and go oh here this oh oh here we go here we go. We've got our handbook now of of how to run that. How to run? Oh, yep, great idea. Oh, fantastic. Well, yep, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, hadn't thought of that. That's a good one. It's like, fuck me. 
So what's been coming up? <sighs> Sorry, everyone. What, although I'm sure the women listening to this, I'm sure you're raging along with me right now. Um, it's infuriating. It, it, it's, it's so infuriating, Kate, that I find it hard to breathe. If I mm. really, like if I really sit with this and I think about how I would feel as a woman right now in the States and, mm. and this hanging over my head, mm. um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a heavy weight that stops me feeling like I can breathe. So, um, yeah, big shout out to our, our sisters in the States. Um, I, I don't know what to say except that, you know, I'm fighting there with you is all I can say really and trying to become as educated as I can about it um, and ways that can help. And it's been interesting seeing all of this come up and following it. And I've been invited into this great um, great group uh, on Facebook, um, MOB, uh, Menopausal Old Bitches, I think they call themselves, which is just fantastic. <laughs> and it's like a um, – <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's basically learning from those who have – fought for our rights, who have fought for our rights, who have lived through this, who have been there, you know, when um, during the, the 70s and the, um, the, the rise of, um, you know, female, female rights and women's rights and, and fought for this. And they're really speaking about, you know, the change that came when the pill became readily available to yeah. to women and how that for the first time saw this shift away from woman's role as just being to reproduce right and potentially bear children for three decades yeah, yeah. and yeah. and separating separating sex from just reproduction and yeah. separating sex from the church and from all of this that was just forever and a day so steeped in all this bullshit around this control of women and this control of women that they only had one purpose and one job right yeah. so what the fuck is going on here now when it's like oh like it's it's so warped that it's spinning back around so mm -hmm. i'm really seeping it in and really taking this opportunity to learn um from women who are older than me um old and wise and who have you know gone through this and i am all ears learning so it's really interesting so this has got me a bit fired up you tell <laughs> Fired yeah. up, passionate, and also interested, and and that's what we need to do when we're, think we're in any sphere, where anything to do with our health, our rights, our basic human rights. We need to educate ourselves on this as much as we can when we can. Yeah. yeah. So I came across this fantastic write up, and we will link this to the show notes. Um, it's on. PubMed from the Natural Library of Medicine, uh, sorry, the National, not Natural, National Library of Medicine from 2012, and it's called Half a Century of the Oral Contraceptive Pill, and it steps you through 50 years of the pill from when it was first starting to be invented um, to its really early days. Basically, mm. it was introduced um, in May of 1950, 
Um, but it wasn't widespread then and it wasn't sold as a contraceptive pill. And here's the reason why it's really interesting. So back in the 50s, um, women were women really had very poor um, rights as we know that, okay? Yeah. So even if a woman was fortunate enough to make it to uni, she'd often attain a career primarily as wife with the prospect of up to three years of childbearing. Yeah. Okay. The 50s weren't that long ago, everyone. <laughs> they weren't no. that long ago. Like, this is our nans. Yeah. You know, this is our, this, I mean, I, I'm sure you could have an amazing conversation with your 100 year, your nan who's about to turn 100, um, Kate, about what she's experienced in regards to um, this. It I would can, be, I, I'd love you to actually pick her brain on it. I can, I can definitely tell you she wasn't using the pill because she had 13 kids. <laughs> Damn, 13. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. But, like, she had 13 kids because I don't think, um, yeah, probably for lots of reasons, but the idea of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep on having kids until I can't, you know, no, um, you know, my, my nana, and she's lovely, but, you know, it's a Catholic family and probably that idea that, like, contraception was just completely off the table. But, yeah, that's what happens when... Yeah. So it's really interesting that you say that. And, and when I'm reading into the, the history of the pill, the reason why um, when it, in its first inception and, and up until actually kind of the mid-60s, the yeah. reason that the pill couldn't be sold or marketed as actual birth control um, but was instead marketed for cycle control was oh. – Yeah. So the reason being is that it was socially, legally and politically contraception was taboo. Wow. Here's the thing. There was actually laws in place. Listen to this. You want to have a little rage if everyone, every oh. woman listening to this, get ready to get fucking angry. How's this for bullshit patriarchy? <sighs> calm, calm, so I can read through it. So, in the United States, the <laughs> Comstock, sorry that I laughed at that, but seriously, this, what a name for what a jerk of a law. The Comstock law effectively prohibit I so I sent this to my boyfriend Chris I sent this little passage to my boyfriend Chris he came back and said is this a joke or was this true how could and I'm like this is serious so this is how bad it is the Comstock law effectively prohibited public discussion and research about contraception this was a con this was a controversial and outdated law established in many US states since 1873 that defined obscenity and was enacted to control the sale and distribution of obscene materials. It essentially lumped talk about contraception with pornography. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So there was an actual law in place that prohibited the discussion of contraception, Kate. Wow, because the possibility of women having any value except as breeders uh -huh. was too obscene. Uh-huh. Oh, my fucking uh -huh. God. By white male men, of course. 
right? Wow. So <laughs> get it, it gets it gets even worse. In Canada, under the 1892 Criminal Code, any oh, discussion of birth control was illegal and, in fact, was considered obscene, tending to corrupt mor- morals. Oh. Although the pill was available by 1960 for menstrual regulation, it yes. was not legal to discuss contraception or prescribe the pill for the indication of contraception until 1969. Wow. When it was decriminalised, there's the, there's the section 251, the criminal code, it actually had to be decriminalised for it to be discussed. Oh my, I had no idea that we had to decriminalise contraception. And even talking about it, the wow. worst. Until 1969. So if I think about it, my parents, my parents were born kind of early to mid 50s. 69. I was born in 77. 69 Mm. to 77, there's not even a decade between my birth and the decriminalization of being able to freaking talk about contraception for women. This isn't far away, crew. Like, this is like, this is our history. And, and did, I, I knew nothing about this, right? And this is why we need to keep fighting for our rights. We need to keep being educated on this. We need to know our history. So that was just freaking infuriating. Here we go. You ready for a little bit more? Is this, in, are you finding this fascinating, Kate? Oh, this is, this is mind-blowing in a, in, a, in a good and a bad way. Yeah, I so I was reading all about this yesterday. I tell you what, didn't sleep much last night, just ruminating on it. Um, and like with anything, when I start to sort of scratch at the surface of something for one of our podcast issues, I'm like, oh, now I need to go and read a book about it because there's plenty of books on this. It's time to time for me to go yeah. read a book. So yeah. here's another rage point, um, which is really interesting in the early inception of the pill. So the first real large-scale trial of the pill was conducted in 1956 in Rio Pedras, uh, a Puerto Rican housing project. The 200-plus women involved in this trial received little information about the safety of the product they were given, um, Um, as there was none to give. And no one thought it would be necessary to provide such information. Oh, my God. Women who stepped forward to describe side effects of nausea dizziness, headaches, blood clots, were discounted as unreliable historians. Oh. Despite this, I know, despite the substantial positive effect of the pill, its history is marked by a lack of consent, a lack of full disclosure, a lack of true informed choice, and a lack of clinically relevant research regarding risk. Absolutely. And I I think that still stands today, lack of... Lack of disclosure when prescribing. Lack of disclosure and consent. Isn't that isn't that interesting? And again, just taking advantage of women. Yeah. Right? So um, walking us then through the history a little more, uh, we end up in the 70s and the women's movement, which I was talking about um, with these incredible women who I'm in this group with that I'm getting to learn from and just loving. Um Informed women demanded family planning, 
and protests about uh, and protests by activist women helped to drop initial pill estrogen doses and to yep. develop requirements for pill packaging labeling. Oh, nice. <laughs> right? Like, hello, can we just give a shout out to all the sisters who came before us and are still raging and will come after us as well? Um, and to all that are listening, like, fuck, Thank women you. are cool. Yeah. Like, we're fierce, we're strong, we're resilient, um, and we're not going anywhere. So, step aside, patriarchy. Like, <laughs> stop trying to control us with our fucking uterus. Oh, God. Right? Oh, my goodness. I. Okay. Anyway, okay, continuing. Oh, I'm loving this. This is really cathartic for me. Um, <laughs> you can hear it. You can hear it. Um, so then we get, then there's more. And please, please jump into this full article linked in the show notes. I really want you all to read through it. It's a brilliant, brilliant read. And I'm very much just skipping through, um, you know, highlighted points for the sake of time. Um, the 1980s expanded choice and with the introduction of new doses, New progestins, um, progestins, am I saying that right? Progestins, yeah. And new uh, multiphasic pills. So you'll be able to speak more to that um, soon, Kate. Uh, and so from there, they wrapped up this incredible, incredible article looking at the 50 years by making some really powerful statements. So the pill's legacy highlights the ethical and legal consequences of post-marketing research, right? There mm -hmm. was a lot of, you know, just putting things out and then seeing how it affected people. Um, there's been undue fear-mongering in regards to some aspects. Then there's been way too little um, acknowledgement of genuine side effects um, mm. for way too long, right, and way too little education. Um, mm. So they wrap up by saying much appears to have changed in a half century, but not a lot really has. The yeah. doses and delivery methods of contraception have changed, but the paradigm hasn't. Mm. Being responsible for the burden of both the expense and the health risk of contraception has had a high cost for women. We look forward to a more equal and equitable distribution of risk and responsibility in the future. Oh, that's it. And I think that is so relevant what's happening with Roe versus Wade in America at the moment because the lack of choice of abortion, which looks like it's going to happen in some states, is punishing women. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no there's no spread of risk. No. And and someone, I was reading some forum where someone said, oh, well, just don't have irresponsible sex. Oh, like, my God. Pregnancy can result from using contraception. Uh -huh. and, and What if a condom breaks? What if a condom? But also we don't punish other people in the same way. Is so, the guy being punished? So the condom broke. Well, who's, <laughs> whose penis was in the condom? Yeah, but, like, so if you're a smoker, does that mean we withhold, like, lung cancer treatment? Or if you've been out in the sun and get mm. skin, you know, you've been irresponsible in the sun. Oh, we my God, Kate. 
we don't tell you we're not going to fix your melanoma. And when, so just say, you know, a woman oh is God. responsible with contraception. It's, it's, not, it's not about providing care. It's about punishing her. It oh really is. Oh, my God. So that like what you just read at the end of that paper is absolutely relevant and just is mind blowing, staggering that we're still having these conversations and that women are still positioned as carrying that burden, mm-hmm. being solely responsible and to blame mm-hmm. when it doesn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It pisses me off. <gasps> beyond so I can you tell us like so so my understanding also from reading through this paper was that the the actual I mean the formulation of the pill has been refined over the last 50 years and I guess it's more like 60 years now considering that was the 50 year mark are we is it 1950 Oh, gosh, we're more into the 70-odd-year 70, 70 mark now, right? Um, sorry, everyone, doing a bit of, bit of quick math there. Everyone's like, Chloe, you okay? You can count, buddy. Um, right. <laughs> You've had a big morning. <laughs> I think it's because the article said 50 years it's throwing me. Um, yeah. So I, I, my understanding is that, you know, formulations have changed, but essentially it, there's often there's the, there's the progesterone and – estrogen pill right or there's an estrogen only or progesterone am i correct in there's, the, there's the combined pill which uh-huh. is estrogen and there's just the straight estrogen which i think is less commonly right just straight estrogen okay yeah. um and and as you said they they you can get monophasic so they're the pills that deliver the same amount of hormones each day and there's multiphasic which alters the ratio of progestin to estrogen um like throughout throughout the you know the 21 or 28 days that you're you're taking it um but they do have they do have side effects um but what i really want to be clear about is that when you take the pill and you've mentioned taking it for skin i have clients who've taken it to reduce sign like symptoms of endometriosis or pcos Mm -hmm. um the pill is not regulating your period Mm. And can you can you say like what exactly does that mean? Okay, so there's this idea that once you're taking the pill that it normalizes your normal cycle, but your induced bleeds that you have with the pill are not a good indication of what's actually happening to your cycle. Gotcha, an- gotcha. So it, it's it's yeah. basically a mask, would you say, if there was other yeah. Like if the you know if the reason you went on to it was because of X Y Z it's it's yeah. a mask and that might explain too that when I ultimately came off the pill my skin went back to how it was before yeah so it's addressing the symptoms or the signs of what could have been excess estrogen for you at that time mm. um, in terms of endometriosis the pill can make those really heavy periods less heavy and less painful mm. so. Like that sort of relief can be really good with PCOS women who are getting periods, you know, whenever, having a set time each month where they know they're going to get a period can give them peace of mind. You know, Mm. they know they're going to be in a meeting at work and suddenly start bleeding. Mm. So some of the things that the pill 
can help you with can be positive, but just know that that bleed is an induced artificial bleed. It's not a good indication of what's actually happening to your cycle. It won't allow you to predict what's going to happen to your period once you stop the pill. And when I say this, and I'm, I may cry, I'm going to try not to, but I think about the number of clients I've had who um, went on the pill early 20s, they were diagnosed with PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. They've come off it at 35 or 37 to get pregnant and their periods are still AWOL. Mm. You know, and they didn't know that that would be the case because in their head mm. they were getting regular periods. Um, and the mm. other example I can think of is I have this beautiful, beautiful client um, who's doing amazing if she's listening to this. She'll know who she is. She's an absolute, like, gem. Um, and she shared with me that when she stopped the pill at 35, after having been on it for years, like we all have, like I was on it for 15 years or so. Oh, I was on it. I would have been on it from, yeah, like until 30. Yeah. Um, when she stopped the pill at 35, she had already gone through menopause. Yeah, and she so didn't mind. know it happened. And I like you, there's this idea, like I hear women all the time saying, I'm on the pill because it regulates my period. No, it gives you an artificial bleed each month, which may be lighter than the debilitating bleeds you're used to. That's a good thing. Um, it may allow you to predict a bleed. That's also some peace of mind, but it it is not your actual cycle. And I I just wish women were informed of this, that, hey, we can pop you on the pill. Hey, Chloe, teenage Chloe, mm. this is going to help you with your skin. Just be aware, though, that it's not going to tell you a great deal about what's actually going on with your reproductive system. Mm. So, so, so I, what's your advice there then that because, you know, if it is masculine, I mean, I, I would have been the same. I would have had no idea what yeah. was going on with my actual periods and in fact you know whilst I was on the pill my periods were a non-event I loved it I honestly all my girlfriends that moaned about having heavy periods and heavy bleeding and pain and cramps I just I couldn't I couldn't truly understand because I'd never experienced it right remember I was put on this when I was young and so you know when the pills said it then you got to the sugar pills and it said you were going to bleed I'd get just like this nice light little you know Couple, yeah. of, couple of tampons do the trick and wouldn't think about it and know exactly when it was going to end because you start taking the active pills again, right? Yeah. Um, and then when I came off my um, came off my came off the pill and got hit with a couple of true like my actual periods, yeah. I was like, "What is this fresh hell?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? So I mean, the only way I could have known that, I guess, is to have come off the pill earlier or I guess you know if I had I mean I didn't come off it because I was wanting to get pregnant um yeah. I came off it just because I was like hey I feel like I've been on this medication for a really yeah. long time I'd like my body to have a break from it mm. so I mean yeah okay so I guess it's just that informed thing know that that's what's going on and if you need to know what your actual natural cycle is doing you'd need to come off it to check. Yeah, can't, like especially if you're thinking about 
getting pregnant. Like don't stop the pill and think that you'll be ready to get pregnant. Right. Okay, gotcha. And because I see the pill prescribed um, so much to reduce um, signs or challenges of things like endometriosis and PCOS, Mm. I always recommend that you then pursue other support with that. Okay, Uh, fine. Like maybe the pill is going to make those debilitating bleeds with endometriosis less challenging for you. Okay, right, great. While that's work, while that the pill is doing that, let's look at the things that trigger or are factors in endometriosis. It's inflammatory. It looks like there's an autoimmune component, right? Let's work on that. Mm. Um, let's work on the root cause of those like heavy periods because that's just a symptom. Mm. Or with the PCOS, great, let's work on, um, you know, regulating your insulin and your blood glucose. There's lots of things you can do with PCOS. Mm. And then let's see what that does with your period. So mm. I just feel that the pill is such a Band-Aid mm. used for, you know, oh, got bad skin, take the pill. Oh, mm. you've got heavy periods, take the pill. And that while that may be valid in giving you some headspace and reducing your symptoms, like there needs to be a chat about, okay, right, we're regulating, we're reducing your symptoms, but what's actually going on for you? Mm, Absolutely. And I also want to preface this with if the pill is the, you know, it is the best contraception for you, please, you know, like, like, do you know, like, I guess I want to say that like the pill's not always just given because of heavy periods or acne or this or that. Maybe you are taking the pill as as your chosen form of contraception. Yeah. It's it's it can be the best choice for people. Unfortunately, with with the contraceptive choices we're offered, there are pros and cons to just about everything. Yeah, because um, I mean I've looked at you know over the years because there was a time you know sure when I was younger I was on the pill um, for my skin and then I was in a committed relationship sort of mid mid twenties and yes I was using the pill as contraception and I did during that time look at the potential of you know different forms of contraception I remember I was in England at the time and a lot of my friends were actually using diaphragms. And, yeah. I, and I thought, oh, okay, well, like, maybe I'd like to give myself a break from the pill and use a diaphragm. And I remember going to get that fitted um, with a lovely female gynecologist and due to actually the shape of my um, cervix, mm. does that sound right to you? I couldn't, there was, <laughs> does that sound right, Kate? Um, there was something, to, basically she was like, you're going to think this is on and it's not going to be on. Oh. So this is you are going to put it in, and you're going to think it's in place. It's not going to be in place, and you're going to get pregnant. This is not a good form of contraception for you. So you know, there's like there's different things you can, and some things will work for you, and some things won't. So I don't want to vilify the pill as a form of contraception if that's what works best for you as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just knowing that. Um, you know, because we're not told, we, we, I mean, and, and, you know, I've heard health practitioners use the phrase, I'll take the pill, it will regulate your period. And just be aware that that's not the case. Mm. So, and that if it's, you're taking the pill to help you feel better with some symptoms, fantastic. But that gives you, you know, hopefully an opportunity to look at the actual cause 
of the symptoms and mm. piss off if you can. So I just think that should be really clear. Also, there are, you know, we think about estrogen as just something that affects our period, like it's just a reproductive hormone. But actually, it has other benefits. So, and when you are taking the pill, it's worth knowing that you may not reap those benefits. Because what happens with the pill, or actually what happens with your normal cycle, is you get this spike of estrogen. You get quite a high level of estrogen um, approaching the middle of your cycle, so approaching ovulation. Mm -hmm. And it looks like that lovely surge of estrogen has lots of other positive health benefits. We know it's neuroprotective. We know that it can um, enhance bone strength, that you're more likely to deposit calcium in bones with those high levels of estrogen. Mm. Um, It also affects um, the health of your heart and your blood vessels. So this why we this is why women traditionally have lower cardiovascular risks prior to menopause um it is also really good for your skin and your hair anyone who's been had pregnancy hair where it's all like glossy and thick you'll know the you know the, the obvious benefits of that um so there are other benefits um that can happen with just that naturally cycling estrogen because when you're taking the pill your estrogen levels are much, much lower. Mm. So it's worth thinking, like just shifting that perspective as, well, estrogen is just like reproductive to actually there are, it does other things in my body as well. And knowing whether you, whether it's important for you to try and harness those benefits by just, um, by choosing non-hormonal contraception or if you're okay with that. And again, that's just knowing what you can think about because, like, we don't get told about about the benefits of estrogen in other ways. No, when the only thing I think of when I think about the benefits of estrogen is in relation to bone health, because um, yeah. I think that that is relatively commonly known. Um, that that's the issue. Then, when we do. Um, when we are menopausal, is that with the lower levels of estrogen, therefore that's what um, increases risk of um, bone density issues such as yeah. osteopenia and osteoporosis. So it's that that beautiful um, estrogen that helps us, yeah, get the bones stronger. But apart from that, I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, estrogen sounds like it's a it's a super hormone. So, when we're on the pill, yeah. Um, how is that affecting the estrogen? So, when you're on a normal cycle, so when you are, have naturally cycling estrogen, you get this lovely peak of estrogen, um, big surge of estrogen just before you ovulate, mm-hmm. um, and then it, it goes up again later on in your cycle, but not quite as high. When you're on the pill, it's much much lower. You right. don't get the you don't get those peaks um your estrogen is much much lower um what if you're so, on an estrogen only pill though um yeah you, your estrogen is still going to be lower oh okay um it's it's not it's not going to be as high as when you have that naturally cycling estrogen and is it's really interesting there was a study done that showed that the longer a woman has been exposed to estrogen, like so those high levels of estrogen, the better her brain health as she gets older. Hmm. 
So that's just, I mean, that's just something to think about for you. That might be more relevant to you depending on family history as well. But I just think, like, just tell women this. Mm. Tell women informed consent, things to think about when they're thinking about contraception. And, yeah, the pill might still end up being the best one for you. Mm. But just what's going on? What's happening with our progesterone? The progesterone on the pill is, is consistently high, generally. Ah, okay. And what could be like what could be the side effects of that? Um, not as many as our research with the estrogen. I mean progesterone, okay. yeah, there's there's much more research on estrogen in terms of it being lower. Right. Um there seems to be more negative effects from that. Uh-huh. And um, and I just think estrogen gets such a bad rap. Like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just wish we saw it from that perspective of that it's, it's protective of our brain health and it's protective of our cardiovascular system. Yeah, I'm and, really interested in yeah. understanding that more. I look forward to looking at, at the research on that because I had sort of no idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And you touched on... Um, um, when we're talking about bone density, like one of the reasons that, um, you know, there's there's the that estrogen helps us lay down calcium mm-hmm. in our bones and helps us reach that peak bone density, which is so important uh, when we're teenagers and, and young women in our 20s. Um, but also taking the pill has nutrient depletions. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'm really <laughs> passionate about because... <laughs> When you're talking about the history of the pill and it started, you know, in the 50s, which I had no idea that it actually started, like it was conceived back then. I thought it was actually um, created in the 60s. So that was interesting for me. But a, a similar history of um, of really negative effects on women. So the pill can cause nutrient depletions. This is pretty commonly known. Um, and studies on this go back to the late 60s. Mm. So there's very clear data, especially starting from the early 70s, showing that the pill induces nutrient depletions in women, which are likely to contribute to common side effects. And there are so many recommendations out there from these studies saying that dietary supplementation should be considered as a first line of approach by clinicians. That we should actually be talking about vitamin and mineral supplementation when we're prescribing the pill or when doctors are prescribing the pill. Mm, well, wow. And I've had that conversation and I don't know anyone who has. No. So can you, can you step us through what are some of the key um, uh, nutrients that are depleted? Absolutely. So um, the main ones are B2, B6, B12 and folate. So I just want to highlight those because they're your B vitamins, ladies. What does getting and stress? Ah, yeah. Yeah, like we know that when you're getting enough of your B vitamins that you handle stress better. Right. I know that B12 and folate, that's your B9, are also implicated in certain forms of anemia, so iron deficiency. So, like, these are things we see commonly in women. So B2, B6, B12 and folate um, are common. Calcium, 
um, not so much a depletion, but inhibits storing calcium in your bones. Um, the pill can deplete magnesium. And if you've listened to any of our episodes so far, <laughs> you'll know that I... Kate like, loves some magnesium. I love magnesium. <laughs> It is cheap. It is cheerful. It is effective for so many different things. Um, but the pill can deplete magnesium. What is magnesium great for? Helping you feel less anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, the pill can also deplete vitamin C and vitamin E. And there's been there've been a few studies. I'll pop them in the show notes that women who are taking the pill um, can show an increase in cortisol levels. So this is your stress hormone. What helps keep your stress hormone down? Things like vitamin C um, and are also more likely to have an elevation in markers of oxidative stress. What are some amazing antioxidants? Vitamin C and vitamin E. So the recommendation from these studies, and there are so many, and as I said, they go back to the 70s. So this is not new information, is that dietary supplementation especially with B vitamins um, and some of those minerals. Um, oh, zinc and selenium can also be depleted by by the pill. Um, should be considered when prescribing the pill to women. Vitamin C is probably the only one of those vitamins or minerals that the advice is, you know, you can probably make sure you're getting enough vitamin C-rich foods through your diet. But with those other ones, they're saying that supplementation is really important mm. and and may be necessary to maintain like just optimal status of those nutrients. And so many of those nutrients are implicated in our mood. Mm. And we know that women have an increased risk of depression and anxiety anyway. Mm. So this is really important for me. Why could it be really important for you? When you're choosing your contraception, what could you be thinking about in terms of the pill and these nutrient depletions? Okay, do you have a history of depression or anxiety? Is that something that's a factor for you? Um, You know, what are your eating habits like? Are you eating lots of fruit and vegetables? Are you getting enough vitamin C and vitamin E anyway? Um, Do you currently already take some supplementation anyway that might counteract those depletions? Um, so there's lots of things that you can just think about. You know, some people don't metabolize B12 and folate. You know, if you have a history of anemia, these things are more important to you. But this is a discussion that we should be having. And it doesn't have to be in depth. It could just be a really quick one from your GP going, hey, you're interested in having a pill. Let's just have a little quick checklist to see what things that you might need to think about in depth before you decide whether it's the right one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not having that. And I will, I will regularly prescribe a vitamin and mineral complex for women on the pill if I think they need to address those nutrient depletions. That's something I talk about quite regularly with my clients. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I, I didn't have that conversation with my GP. I mean, we're going back decades ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know any. I, I'm not speaking to any of my clients now who are having mm-hmm. that conversation either. And I think it needs to happen. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I've never had that conversation and I was on the pill for, I don't know, what, 
what felt like half of my life, a long, really long <laughs> time, right? And yep. then I went off it and then I went back on it and then I went off it and then went back on it. And I remember one of the ones I went on because I was kind of like wanting to get away from the what I had dis- had described as me as the old school Diane 35, right? Which was, and they were wanting to put me on kind of a more modern pill and yeah. that particular modern pill that they put me on um, gave me very quickly acute anxiety um, and uh, depressive thoughts, um, yeah. really acute. Nothing yeah. else had changed in my life. There was no nothing else that was influencing how I was feeling. Um, yeah. The only thing that had changed was this particular pill and so I recognised that I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like this wasn't normal. There was there was no no other reason I would be feeling like this. And went um, back into the to the doctor and said, "Hey, uh, this is going on for me. This is really bad." And they went, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Some people do find that they get depressed. They have depressive thoughts on this pill. That's okay. <gasps> Let's put you on a different one." And I remember going, "Okay." Maybe had that discussion before you kind of put me on this because I've been feeling really fucking bad. Yeah, you see, that's that's it. It just feels it just feels really dismissive. And and speaking to that depression risk, like there's a study that came out in 2019 looking at pill use in adolescent girls and showed that there's actually a long term association between starting the pill as a teenager and then your risk of depression as an adult whoa and it looks like you are up to three times more likely to be depressed as an adult if you started the pill as a teenager and um and that risk lingers years after you first start the pill so could you you please link that's that's a that's a really full-on um yeah that's in Uh, Full on. Could you link that into the that study into yeah, the show notes, Kate? Absolutely. It's a great study. I would like to have a read through that. Called Oral Contraceptive Use in Adolescents Predicts Lasting Vulnerability to Depression in Adulthood. Um, and it's 2019. It's a really... Was it a randomised control? Like what was the... What, long, what sort of study models of a uh, study was I, it? I haven't got those notes here. I've just got um, a little abstract, but I'll pop it up. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to – I'm re- like you can see you've really sparked my interest in that one. I'd be interested yeah. to see how they did that because obviously it would have had to be a longitudinal study yeah. if they were following yeah. – I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to know what that um, was about. So They were show a long-term association, so I imagine it followed, um, it followed people over some years right yeah Um, I'd really like to look into that because that's um interesting very interesting especially as females are more prone to depression and anxiety anyway um so I just I just think yes my takeaway is that at the end of the day looking at all your contraceptive options out there the pill may still end up being the best one for you but just be aware it's not regulating your period. There are nutrient depletions which may be important to you and your health history or your health goals, um, and that there are some benefits to naturally cycling estrogen as well. 
if those benefits are important to you, but we're just not having these conversations. So I hope, I hope today's episode really like opens up um, those conversations. Um, and if they're not coming from your GP, I hope um, where I hope anyone listening to this feels a little bit more confident in asking those questions, in mm. advocating for themselves, in having these conversations with their daughters. I know I'm going to have this conversation with my daughter when she's old enough for it to be important. Um, I mean, hopefully by then they'll have have a pill that has minimal side effects. Um, yes, or could it be the time turn for guys to take the pill for a while? L pill, that's it. There's yeah, always- no? There's always condoms, which are a great non-hormonal form of contraception. Yeah. Yay! It's Yay. already non-hormonal. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you. Oh, okay. Well, cool conversation. Um, powerful topic. Uh, one that has, you know, it's intertwined with with so much in regards to to women's rights and women's autonomy over their body. Um, in regards to the pill giving us autonomy, but also interestingly in how, you know, it's still us that needs to take it. It's still us that needs to pay for it. It's still us yeah. that needs to have the side effects. It's still, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, an, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, let's, let's just keep educating ourselves, informing ourselves so that we can make more informed decisions, advocating for ourselves and, um, yeah, big yeah. shout out to all the sisters out there. Great conversation. Oh. Thanks, Kate. It's been awesome, Chloe. I feel invigorated. I feel enraged. I, <laughs> I like, you know, my energy's high. Invigorated and enraged. And hopefully everyone's just like a little more interested to look into the history and, uh, you know, what, yeah. what, what the women before us fought for. Absolutely, but it's it sort of feels like the pill is like so many other things in women's health where we take two steps forward and then it's one step back. Mm. That's not a Paula Abdul song, is it? Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> do we do we want that to be our new theme song? I think we'd have copyright involved there there would be some definite copyright involved there yeah um okay everyone thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it if you hung on to the end of the conversation um please leave us a review uh share this with those that would be helpful for reach out to us with topics that you would like us to bring to this platform and we appreciate you thank you so much today's been great thank you everyone Bye.